Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Is everybody excited that Christmas is here now? I see many of you not clapping. You're the people that still haven't got all your gifts yet. And you're like, how long is this service going to be? Because I got to get to the store before it closes. Or you're just like, I'm not going to buy one. You're out. You're out. Um, Hey, listen, I want to welcome you guys. Uh, I want to welcome also um, uh, all of you that are new with us. Maybe this is a church you just kind of popped into for for a Christmas service. I want to say thank you so much for choosing New Life. There's so many incredible churches in our communities, um, but you picked us. Uh, I just need I just need to say hello as well to our North Platte campus. <clears throat> They're worshiping with us right now live. So if you're unfamiliar with what New Life is, we're one church in multiple locations, and today we're worshiping in two of our campuses, North Platte and Kearney, and it's live, connected right now during this time of the sermon. So I want to say a big big hello to all of you that are worshiping with us. One of the things I know about you that are here today, or those that are worshiping with us in North Platte, is that. You guys have a desire. You have the same desire I had. And so I wrote a teaching series for the last three weeks entitled, How to Have Christ at the Center of Your Christmas. And for the last three weeks, we've been talking, actually two weeks, this is the third week, we've been talking about it. We talked about in week one, basically how to live with Christ at the center. Um, Then we talked about in week two, which was last Sunday, how to trust the Christmas story, right? And if when you trust it, and it was like a case on Christmas, I would definitely encourage you guys to go listen to that. You can find it at mynewlifechurch.com, and you can go home right now, and you can click on mynewlifechurch.com and go to our on-demand side of our website, and you can see last week's sermon. Um, In fact, this week's message will be uploaded to our on-demand page as well, uh, just when we get done. So this is week three in our current teaching series, Christ Center Christmas. That's something I I really believe in my heart, that you that are here today, that's what you want or you wouldn't have come today. If you didn't want Christ to be at the center of Christmas, then you just would have stayed home. There would be no reason to come and be with us here, but you have, and I want to say congratulations Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We're here today to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus. Jesus is the reason why we come together and we celebrate. And for you and me, we celebrate one way, but Mary, she celebrated a whole nother way. Right? I mean, you and me, we're going to celebrate. You got a tree up in your house, maybe. You know, you've got some gifts that are sitting around that are all still in the wrapping paper, right, people? Okay, all right. Some of you know you've opened them early. It's okay. It's all right. It's fine. Whatever your tradition is, right? Uh, It was always my tradition as a kid when I was growing up to try to get my parents to create new traditions. Like, hey, it's three days before Christmas. We should open up this the smallest gift. It's two days before Christmas. Let's open up the biggest gift, right? And you create all these kinds. So kids, if you're here and you're not down in power, kids, which we have our children's pastor with his own Christmas Eve worship service just for kids, which I think is incredible, incredible. Um, Kids, you need to like be creative that way and start some new traditions. Or husbands, you can take the same advice, okay? Uh, We're we're all in that same category. We celebrate Christmas one way here. Um, Mary celebrated Christmas a whole nother way. Obviously, she lived it. She lived it, right? I mean, Mary, the whole Christmas story starts out with Mary being visited by an angel right there alone. Most of you would have passed out right then and there, right? But here's Mary. She's standing there, and the angel is speaking to her. And then the angel says to her, hey, Mary, you've been chosen of all of humanity. You've been chosen to bear the Son, right? The Son of the living God. You've been chosen to bear a child. And Mary's like, whoa, time out right there. You know, I'm I'm a good girl. 
right? I am, I am going to be getting married to Joseph. We haven't had any sex. Time out. How is this possible? You're going to conceive, you know, the son of the living God, the savior of the world, right? Right then the angel catches her as she starts to pass out. That's not in your biblical text, all right? Just, just bringing to life the picture because I guarantee you, don't sit there and think to yourself, well, if an angel came to me, I would just be there stoic, you know, like, wow, it's a big deal. No, you would be starting to sweat, starting to get lightheaded. Most of you would just pass out, right? Uh, it would be a, it could be an interesting moment to be visited by an angel. I mean, come on. Have you had it happen to you? Of course not. And neither have I. But if it did, it would be amazing. And then, so now she's got this dilemma. Like, what do I do? How do I tell mom and dad I'm pregnant, but I haven't had sex? They're going to be like, sure, Mary, sure. How do I tell Joseph? What do I say to Joseph, right? And then the angel's like, we're going to help you out. The angel shows up and, and meets Joseph while he is sleeping in a dream. You guys ever had one of those dreams? You woke up in the morning and you thought to yourself, like, did that actually happen? You ever, maybe you've had those dreams. You're like, I hope that didn't happen, right? Well, Joseph, he has this dream that uh, the angel comes to him and says, hey, listen, just want to let you know, everything's cool, but your fiance's pregnant. Um, don't worry about it. It's all under control. You continue to marry her. She's bearing the savior of the world. Joseph gets up and goes, okay, and he marries her, and then off they go on this journey later on, you know, right? She's, maybe she's in her third trimester, I don't know, but they're on their journey from the north of, Jerusalem, or north of Israel down to Bethlehem, which is just a little south of Jerusalem, and they get down there, and Joseph, obviously, the guy's a planner, you can tell, right, because when he gets there, he has no room for them, so they end up in a barn, Right? So that's, there you go. And you know, when they're on vacation, you guys ever go on vacation and something like terrible, not terrible, but just something out of the norm happens? It seems like it happens at vacation time. Like you, you got the car, everything about the car works perfectly. You head off on, you know, across the country and you're going to go on your vacation and it's at that moment the car breaks down. Anybody else with me? Why? You know, Murphy's Law, I don't know what it is. All right, you go on vacation only to find out that the water heater, you know, busted and you come back home to a swimming pool as a basement horrible horrible things right so they're on vacation basically they're going down for a census to be counted and they don't have any room there's no room to stay there hasn't been any you know pre-planning per se and here we end up in a barn and then lo and behold while we're in this moment yes mary is going to give birth and she's like joseph it's time and he's like what it's time what in the world? Why do we have to have it here in a barn? We could have been back home. We, we had our local doctors, you know, all that kind of like modern day kind of language. And there, lo and behold, in that barn, a baby is born. Not just any baby, but the Savior of the world, Jesus, is born. And of all places, where do they lay him? In a manger. In a feed trough. Where animals feed. They lay him in a manger. And if that wasn't enough for a day, you know, I don't know about you, ladies, but when, you know, you've, you've been in labor and now you've given birth, right? And uh, you're feeling like top notch, right? Then, then all of a sudden at the barn, a, just a whole host of strangers comes walking in the door called the shepherds, right? And they come walking in the door. And I don't know what shepherds sound like. Maybe they sound like this, like, hey, where's the baby Jesus? Right? We were told he's supposed to be laying in the manger. Oh, well, there he is. Guys, guys, get over here and look. It's a baby Jesus laying in the manger. <laughs> they probably sounded something like that. Close to it, at least. But, no, no, but here's the deal. 
They're strangers. They've never seen these guys before. They just come popping in. Now I was going to tell you, you know, shepherds aren't looking as sharp as what my wife dressed me to look right now. All right? Shepherds are coming in out of the fields. They stink. They smell. On the echelon of employment, they're somewhere down here. Okay? And they're out there been tending the sheep. You can imagine what it would smell like, what it would look like, and they just come barging in, right? They don't, they don't understand all the etiquette of life. They just barge in. They wear the baby Jesus. And then they find Jesus and they worship him. And all of this, this whole story, Mary has just been taking it in. Now, you would think to yourself that when a bunch of strangers pop in and you got a baby and you're living in a barn, right, that you would have said to these strangers, hey, hey, hey. What are you doing here? You're so excited. This is just a bit. And Joseph maybe wanting to be protective or trying to push them out, but that's not what happens at all. They let them worship Jesus. And Mary is just taking this thing all in. And this is exactly the next words that the Bible says about Mary after all of that. Here's what it says Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. Now, another translation, that's the NIV. The New Living Translation says that Mary kept all of these things in her heart. She treasured them. It meant that it was really important. Everything that happened, she treasured them in her heart. Now, when I say the word treasure, what word comes to your mind? It might be the word gold, right? Treasure, gold. When I think of treasure because, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a little different, I don't know. Uh, I think of the word Pirates, yeah, pirates, Arr, pirates. Here, now you're wondering to yourself, hey, have we come to the right church because the guy's talking about pirates on Christmas Eve. The treasure, the treasure. Think about pirates when you think about a treasure for a moment. What do they do? They get the treasure, right? And just to get it off of our minds and for all of us to participate in it because I know you're sitting there and you're wanting to do it. I say pirate and you just go, Arr, all right? Pirates, thank you, all right. Guarantee you, in history, that's the first time it's ever happened on Christmas Eve. The pirates get the treasure, they celebrate it, right? Hey, we've got it! This is awesome! Then what do they do with the treasure? They take it to a nearby island, they figure out this nice little place, they dig a hole, they bury it, they create their nice little map, right? Back on the ship they go, and they've got treasure on, let's say, three different islands, and they're protecting it for themselves, What do you think the average pirate that knows where the treasure is thinks about when they're at sea every night before they go to bed? The treasure. (laughs) The treasure. That's right. Is the treasure still there? Right? They wake up in cold sweats. Is the treasure still there? They can't get the treasure off of their mind. That's why they created the map so they can go back to it again so they can cherish the treasure and they can get it and they can use it and they can make it all happen. They cherish it in their heart. They treasure it. They can't get it off their mind. That's just like Mary. When the Bible says she treasured it, she couldn't get it off of her mind. She was so focused on all the details and it was just in her heart and she was just absorbing it all and she was just taking it all in. That's how you and me need to treasure Christmas. We need to treasure Christmas the very same way, where you just can't get the true essence of Christmas off of your mind. When you close your eyes this holiday season, instead of seeing a tree or a house that's lit up, see Jesus. Treasure in your heart. So today, very quickly, I want to talk to you about the two ways you can treasure Christmas. There's two simple ways. Mary's way 
and the shepherd's way. Those are the two ways you can do it. Let's first focus on Mary's way, right? So Mary's way. We looked at Luke chapter 2, but we're going to go back and we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 again because I didn't read the whole scripture to you um, in verse 19. So here's what it says. But Mary treasured up all these things and, and what? Pondered them in her heart. So we talked about the treasure piece, but what about the ponder piece? She pondered the Christmas encounter. What does that really look like? Mary, it's like she was sitting in the corner watching this whole thing take place. And she was just sucking up all the details. You know, she remembers what it sounded like. She remembers what it smelled like. Right? She, she just could remember all of the details. But just think about it. In the chaos of the moment of here she is and she's going through, you know, labor uh, the labor pains, and Joseph is standing there with all of his Lamaze classes that he, that he went to, and he's going, breathe, honey, breathe, and he's going, let go of my hand, I can't feel my fingers, and he's going back and forth with all of that. Mary is thinking to herself, remember when the angel came? Remember when the angel came? The angel said that this baby who's going to be born is going to be the savior of the world. She's just taking it all in, guys. She can't get away from it. She's focused completely on it. Although things and chaotic things are happening, she's absorbing it like a sponge is absorbing all the details, right? She's living, she's living in the moment, but, but she's purposefully and she's carefully remembering everything that's taking place. To ponder something, biblically, that word literally means if you want to ponder something, you have to preserve it. Preserve it. How many of you guys do canning? Anybody here can things? Any canners in the room? Come on, bold. Be bold, canners. All right. There you go. We got some canners in the room. All right. You guys, should, you guys, there's a few of you. You guys should meet out by the tree afterwards and just kind of have like a little canning club or something like that. You can share canning things with each other. All right. By the tree after the service, canners. That's where you're meeting. All right. Right where the piano's playing. You guys can share your canning details. My grandmother was a canner. I remember I would go to their house um, during the summertime when I was a kid and we would work on the farm. They had a farm and then they had their garden and then afterwards, they would take us skiing on the lake in which they lived on. It was, it was by far, it was awesome, right? Child labor laws, all that kind of stuff. Who cared about those at that moment? It was just work on the farm, ski. That's all we cared about. And we would, my grandma, she would can stuff all the time out of the garden, right? Green beans. Uh, I don't know what else. What else can you can, by the way, canners? Come on. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Corn. Potatoes. Potatoes. Thank you. I love it all. You can can everything. I mean, listen, if you get too close to a canner, whatever you have might end up in the can. Toys, boom, in the can. doesn't matter. Just don't get too close to the canner. So all these things I can't. Fruits and things like that, I can still taste in my mouth the, the uh, peach jam that my grandmother would make. It was, it was incredible, right? She was preserving it. And when she preserved something, it could last a really, really, really long time. Whereas if you just took those same vegetables or same fruits and you stuck them on the counter, what would happen with them? They would mold and they would decay. But when you can something, you can the freshness of it and you preserve that for a much longer time. When Mary is pondering, right? When she's pondering in her heart everything that happened at Christmas, she's preserving the true essence of what happened. And that's what God asks you and me to do. 
If we're going to treasure Christmas, we have to ponder it. We have to preserve it. We have to make sure the focus of our eye is critical about the real meaning of Christmas. And that means she pondered it where? In her heart. So if you want to treasure Christmas, you've got to have your heart in the right place to preserve the true essence of Christmas. And there's a great scripture that talks about this in Matthew chapter 19 when it's talking about your heart. It says this, and no one puts new wine into wineskin, old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are what? Preserved. So the wineskin, by the way, here in, this, in the scripture is talking about your heart. And the wine, the wine is Jesus, his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when you prepare the wineskin, right, when you got the, the wineskin of your heart prepared to be able to, you know, receive everything that God has for you, then you've got a place where it can be stored. But so many of us, we live life all year long just living our, our heart's way that we want to live instead of God's way. And when you live your way instead of God's way, then your heart can never be really prepared for what God wants for our lives. Many of us, we, we go to church Sunday after Sunday, but we don't really decide, desire to live it Monday through Saturday. And when that, if that's how we live our lives, then the wineskin of our heart, when you want God to pour something fresh into you, it just bursts and it goes all over the place and it gets ruined. See, what we need to do today is this. If we're going to treasure and ponder Christmas like Mary did so that we can you know, hang on to the true essence of it, then we're going to have to bring our heart before God, even in this service, and say, God, here I am. God, make my heart hungry for you. God, make my heart thirsty for you. God, make my heart, make it pliable, God, so that everything you do in this service today can be stored inside of my heart and I don't lose it. So it doesn't just burst and flow out and just get wasted throughout the week so that it it gets into my heart. The truth of Christmas gets in there and it doesn't go away. Sir, can I enjoy the family? Can I enjoy the gifts? Can I enjoy the lights? Can I enjoy all those things? Yes, of course you can. Make sure that the true treasure of Christmas has a place in your heart to find a home. And a home where the true essence can live and can, re- and can reside and can stay for a long time. Bring your heart before God today. Say, God, prepare my heart to receive all that you have for me in this Christmas Eve. And then you can ponder Christmas with the same attitude that Mary did to preserve it. Second way, though, you treasure Christmas is the shepherd's way. The shepherds, they treasured the Christmas story by glorifying and even praising God. I mean, look what these guys did after they were in the barn seeing Jesus, the baby, laying in a manger, a feed trough. Look at what they did. Here it is in Luke chapter 2, verse 20. It says that the shepherds returned, and they were doing some things. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told By who? By the angels. So I want you to look at what they were doing. They were glorifying and they were praising God. That's what they did. I guarantee you this is what the shepherd did. They they left the barn. They left, you know, the shed. They left wherever Jesus was born at. And they went out into the streets and they started telling everybody that they knew about this amazing story that just happened to them. They went to where the shepherds hang out, the shepherd union, the shepherd pub, the, the shepherd you know, restaurant, wherever the shepherds hung out, they went to where the shepherds were at and they said, guys, you have got to hear the story. It's amazing. 
I mean, before we go back out to the sheep, because we've got some of our interns out there with the sheep, and we don't want to leave them too long, you know about interns. So before we get out there, then they started telling them, right, about this incredible story that took place where the heavens opened up and the angels showed up there, and guys, it was so amazing. And then before you know it, the whole heavens were full of angels declaring that Jesus had been born, the Savior of the world, and it led us right to this barn. It's just over there on 3rd Street, just a couple of doors down, and you'll find Jesus laying there in a manger. You can go see for yourself. They had to go around telling people all over the place. Why? Why? Because that's a form of praising God. That's a form of giving God glory, is by telling others what they know. And they told a great story, and they had a great story to tell. Just like this Christmas, you're going to tell stories. And you know the stories you guys are going to tell? It's probably the same ones you told last Christmas. Because some of the great stories of your family, which are just for your family, they get told time after time when you get together. They're the timeless stories. They're the ones that just your family appreciates, and anybody else that hears it doesn't ever laugh. But you were there, and you, you lived it, and so you know it. Most of the time, these stories come from the most embarrassing moments that have ever happened in a family gathering. And then it gets recorded for all history, and it gets told over and over and over again, right? Um, they could be, they could be stories about people that are still alive. They also are many times about stories about people in our families that are, have passed away and they've moved on. These stories, you know, they make us laugh. These stories also make us cry. But they're the kind of story that's timeless. Like it, it doesn't matter when or who brings up the story. Everybody's interested in hearing the story again. And you have those. In your own family, you got them. And you're going to tell them this Christmas, even if I asked you right now, tell me one of them. You can't come up with it. But I guarantee you tomorrow afternoon, somewhere around lunch, when you're eating, pop, someone's going to tell one of those stories. You're going to be like, that's what Pastor Jeff was talking about. One of those stories. That could be told anytime. They're timeless. Good stories, they get told. In fact, they get passed down from generation to generation. That's what's happening here. The story of Christmas from the shepherds is getting passed down. And we're still telling it today. Well, because obviously it's the greatest story of all time. The greatest story of Jesus coming, the Savior of the world, coming and giving his life for us. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's the most incredible story. And you know what, what? The other thing about amazing stories is that you always remember where you were when that story happened. Always remember. It's like in history, when moments of history have happened, significant moments of history, we tend to remember where we were and what we were doing when it happened. Uh, Let me give you an example of that. Like when your favorite football team won the Super Bowl finally, or most recently, and you'd be like, yeah, man, I was at my friend's house. It was awesome. It was incredible. Right? Or I, I was, you know, whatever. Or your favorite baseball team, right? They won the World Series. Or, you know, like all of you should like, you know, hockey, um, your favorite team won the Stanley Cup. Come on, hockey people. Thank you. I have two friends in this room. They're all in North Platte right now. Guarantee you. All right? Go on. Right, here we go. All right. Um, okay, I like hockey, so I like it when, when, you know, my team wins the Stanley Cup. It's one of those things you remember kind of where you're at. But it also might be like historic moments that have altered our nation. Like, as an example, some of you are old enough that you remember where you were when John F. Kennedy, you know, you heard that he had been shot. Others of you, you know where you were and what was going on when the the World Trade Centers were attacked. And you can think back to that moment, you know right where you were at. Because good stories, 
stories that are significant, they have these landmarks to them. Kind of like, you know, husbands, this is going to be a challenge, but kind of like you, you remember, right, where you were at when you guys got engaged, right? Just shake your head with me right now, all right? Just yes, and then pray, pray for the revelation, all right? God, please, bring a revelation right now. Show people. Uh, you know, you might also remember like where your, where your first child was born. You, you remember that hospital, right? You know that, you know that place, but you know, for child two, three, four, and if there's more than that, you're like, I don't remember. It's, it's too many. I can't. But that first one, significant, and you remember that moment. Good stories, they have these landmarks to them. And that's what the story of Christmas has, as landmarks to it. So as an example, let me just challenge some of you who you have Christ in your heart. Jesus is your Lord and your leader. Let me just ask you, where, where were you at when you met Jesus? Not where were you at when you heard about him. Where were you at when you surrendered your life and you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. Were you at a church camp? Were you at, were you at this church in this very room? Were you down at an altar at a church? Were you in bed? Um, were you walking? Were you out in the woods someplace? Where were you at when you first met Jesus and you said, I want you to be my Lord and my leader? Because wherever that is, never forget it. Never forget it. How can you preserve that story? Do what the shepherds did. Tell others about it. When you tell other people about your encounter with Jesus and how Jesus became your Lord and your leader, it preserves it. It helps you to treasure that in your heart. Secondly, do this. Praise God for that. God, thank you. I, I can take you guys to the apartment in Bellevue, Nebraska, and we're at 3 o'clock in the morning. I knelt down next to this bed, and I gave my life to Jesus. I'll never forget that moment. I often go back to it, and I praise God for that moment. Thank you, God, that you saved me. You saved me out of drugs. You saved me out of alcohol. You, you saved my, my marriage that was completely falling apart. Thank you. I praise you, God, that you got a hold of me. Thank you, God. May you get all the glory. It's, I'm not who I am because of what I've done. I am who I am because of what you have done. And you praise God and you give God glory. And when you do that, you're preserving or you're treasuring, right, the true essence of what Christmas is about. Jesus, Jesus in your heart. That's so important. For some of you today, today actually might be that moment. The moment when you decide to start treasuring Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with God, let me just challenge you. In a moment, you're going to be given that opportunity. Pray to God. God, I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my leader. So to recap, you can treasure the true encounter of Christmas by telling others about Jesus. You can treasure the Christmas encounter by praising God, which in a moment our worship team is going to come, and we're going to give you that opportunity. But you can also treasure the Christmas encounter by pondering the grace of Jesus, by pondering the grace of Jesus. We're going to do all three of these things here today in the next few minutes that we have together. But we're going to start with communion. All of you were given communion elements. If you were not given communion elements, please just put your hand up and one of our ushers will come and make sure that everybody in this room has it that wants to partake. Here at New Life, you don't have to be a member of our church. We just ask that you have a relationship with God. That's what's biblical, to partake of communion with us. If you have that communion, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just to, you know, right now, just start pulling back the, the top portion. Don't pull it all the way back, though, okay? Just get it started, because sometimes it can be a little hard to get started. 
But I want you to focus in with me. Jesus is the center of Christmas. Partaking of communion is one of the ways that Jesus said, when you do this, you're bringing me into the center of your life. The bread that is there, the, the, the piece of bread that is in that, that communion elements, it represents Jesus' body. And when Jesus was with his disciples, he said, gentlemen, I take this piece of bread and I break it and I pass it, this portion to the right and this portion to the left. And I want you to pull off a piece and eat of it because it represents in just a few moments in a few moments from now, when I'm arrested, and in you know, a few hours from now, when I hang on the cross, it represents my body that's going to be broken for you. You're going to see this body, this bread that represents my body. You're going to see it. It's going to be whipped. It's going to be beaten. It's even going to be put on a cross. And it's put on a cross so that you might have relationship with God. That I can make a way for you. That right now, you can't get to God because of your sin. But because of the brokenness of my body, you're going to be able to do that. I'm going to make a way for you. Then Jesus took a cup that had the wine in it. After taking a drink, he, he even passed it to the right. And he said, men, as you partake of this, this is my blood. This represents my blood. You're going to see my blood run down a Roman cross. And as my blood leaves my body, it's for the forgiveness of your sins. You might go, that's not what Christmas is about, Jeff. That's what Easter is about. Yeah, but it all started with Jesus laying in a wooden manger before Jesus can hang on a wooden cross. That's where it all started. And this Christmas, we're going to bring Christ right back into the center of it by the partaking of communion. I'm going to pray. And in a moment, our campus pastors are going to come at North Platte and in Kearney. And then they're going to lead us in communion. And after that, our worship teams are going to come. And they're going to lead us in a time of giving praise and glory to God. Let's bring Christ back into the center by treasuring Jesus through the worship and the remembrance of communion. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, we take these next few moments to recognize that you are the Savior of the world. That without you, we're nothing. With you, it's incredible what can happen, how lives can be turned around, how lives can be changed. Lord, you came in a vulnerable state of an infant being laid in a wooden manger, only to 33 years later hang as a man, but also God, Emmanuel, with us on a wooden cross with your body broken so that we might have relationship with God and your blood shed so that we might have our sins forgiven. Lord, this Christmas... We treasure that. And we take these next few moments to even ponder it, to ponder the amazing grace that comes through Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We give you our lives. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. Lord, we want you to be first and foremost in our lives. Have your way in us as we worship you, as we partake of this communion, and as we proclaim how incredible you are by praising you and giving you glory. And everyone said, Amen.